finishing the uh, Torah portion, we're reading the Torah portion of Vayechi, which is the last Torah portion in the book of Breshit, in the book of Genesis. So this week we will be completing the book of Genesis and going on to the next book, the book of Shemot, the book of Exodus. And Vayechi in Hebrew means, and he lived. But actually this whole Torah portion deals with the death of Yaakov. The entire first period of human history, the first 2,000 years of human history, the time of the creation, and the time of the creation of the Jewish people, is coming to an end. The era of our forefathers, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, is coming to an end. And it's really a close of the stories of individuals in the development of the world, and it's the start of a story of the nations. And so the next book, Shmot, actually starts with the Jewish people. And from here on, it's the story and the history, not of a person, not of a family, not of a clan, but of a people. And so the end of everything is really the summation. And the summation of the book of Breshit is life. In this book, as Jacob is about to die, he gives blessings to every one of his sons. Every one of his sons is going to become um, a, um, a tribe in the people of Israel. And every one of the tribe gets a blessing that prophetically will guide that tribe throughout history and throughout the different um, um, epochs and the different events in the life of that tribe. But what I would like to draw attention to is actually that in this book and in this Torah portion, when somebody is about to die, the Torah actually places emphasis on life, so much so that it calls this Torah portion Vayichi, and he lived. Although in this Torah portion, it will be more appropriate to talk about death, but it's actually talking about life. And our sages say that although Yaakov, Jacob, passed away, he continues to live because as long as his children, as his, as his descendants are alive, so he is alive. Every single morning, we Israelis wake up to a new sentence, which we dread. And that sentence is, it's been cleared for publication. It's been cleared for publication means that we're going to hear a litany of names and ages and places of soldiers who died the night before. And some mornings we wake up to, it's been cleared for publication, and then we have two names, and sometimes it's five names, and sometimes it's eight names. And every one of those names is a, is a boy or a girl, usually a boy, usually young boys in their 20s, and every one of those boys has a father and a mother, and very often a wife, and sometimes children, and siblings. And every one of these boys is a tragedy. And today you turn on the radio and you just hear interview upon interview and story upon story of people killed, of young soldiers killed in this war, which we did not choose. And on the other side, in Gaza, we know every day tens of people are dying in airstrikes and um, serving as human shields for Hamas. And in the senseless death 
in the senseless death, I want to talk about the difference. I want to talk about the difference in how we, the Jewish people, approach life and death, and how the Palestinians, unfortunately, are choosing to approach life and death. And it's hard to generalize, and it's great sorrow when lives are lost anywhere for any people. But the difference is that we, as a Jewish people, celebrate life. We choose life. And life is the end goal of everything. It's the highest purpose. Well, on the other side, unfortunately, there's a nation that has chosen a culture of death. And to um, show this point, to illustrate this point, I want to share something that I saw on Facebook yesterday. It was written by a young woman by the name of Hadass Levenstein. Hadass lost her husband, Alicia, in the fighting in Gaza. And this is what she had to write. The day she got up from the shiva, from the seven-day mourning period, when people sit and receive guests, receive visitors who come to, to um, be with them and to comfort them. And during this time, people are not allowed to do anything, just sit there and, and receive comforters. The day after she got up from Shiva, she posted a picture of herself and her Pilates mat. And this is what she wrote. Today, I went back to Pilates. You hear me, scumbags? You took from me what you took. But I have no intention of volunteering to give up even one inch of my beautiful life. Not from my joy de vrai, not from my spiritual life, and not even from my sports routine. I'm going to go on with my life in memory of my love, Alicia Levy, son of Rabbi Tzvi Meir. And in the photo is triumph of life over darkness. So just for you to understand the story, once again, Hadass is the young woman who lost her husband, whom she loved so much. But the day after the mandatory mourning period, she got up, took out her Pilates mat, and went back to her exercise routine with a clear decision, and I'm so sure it was an excruciating decision, with a clear decision that she is not going to give an inch of her life an inch of her happiness, an inch of her routine. She's not going to give any of that over. She's not going to hand any of that over to the Hamas. Because when they took her husband away from her, they didn't just take his life. They wanted to crash this whole family, this whole people. When Hamas on October the 7th decided to attack Israel, they didn't just come to kill the 1,200 people that they did. They came to crash all of us, to crash down this country, to crash out this culture, actually to crash down this civilization. And with what I'm sure took huge effort and heroism, Hadass has decided that she is going to go on with her life and that she will turn her life into a celebration of her husband's passing, and that every single point, every single moment of her life will go up to um, God, to heaven, and will bring happiness to her husband. And she understands that what will make his sacrifice most meaningful is for her to go on and create more life 
and more happiness. And uh, this is an unbelievable woman, and I'm sure that most people don't have that kind of emotional ability. But what Hadas is communicating is that in Judaism, life is the most precious thing that there is. And the Talmud says that somebody who saves one life is as if he saved the whole world. And life is the most precious thing. It's the height of purity. And on the other hand, everything that is ritually impure, everything that we don't want, everything that we push away, has to do with death. Death is the antithesis of Judaism because it's a necessary evil that actually gives meaning to our life. If there was no death, we wouldn't be thinking of how to spend our life. We wouldn't make sure that our life is precious. We wouldn't take advantage of it. We wouldn't appreciate it. But really, Judaism is all about making the most of every single moment of this gift of life. And so, yes, when our soldiers die in battle in Gaza, we say that they died to glorify God's name. And there's nothing greater than the sacrifice of people who glorified God's name. But we don't celebrate the death. And we say that actually living to glorify God's name is greater and more important and more worthy than dying to do so. But sometimes we're not left with a choice. And so the brave people who decide, who make the choice to die to defend this country, to die to defend these people, to defend their families, we owe them a huge debt of gratitude. And of course, we praise them for their choice, but not because we praise death and not because we're happy. And that's because this is a goal. It's not a goal for the Jewish people to die, to uh, sanctify God's name. It's a goal to live, to sanctify God's name. And this is where we're so different from what's happening on the other side. Because on the other side, children are taught from a very young age that a goal, the greatest achievement of a person is to be a shaheed. The greatest achievement a person can reach is to die for the cause. And when parents receive notice of their children dying for the cause, they celebrate and they say that they're happy. And mothers wish to have more shahidim among their children because it's a culture that celebrates death. And here is the thing. You cannot wish death on somebody else unless you don't value life. Because when you love, value life, life in general, your own, your people's, other people's, then you want more life. But in a culture that wishes death on us, the Jews, in a culture that wishes death on, on the infidels, in a culture that wishes death on everybody who doesn't believe in a certain way, then life itself stops being precious. And then it's so easy to give up your own life for the cause. And I really, really want you to understand that this is the difference. This is the difference in everything that has to do with this war. This is why Israel is investing billions of dollars into defense systems to make sure that nobody gets hurt on either side. This is why for the past 30 years, every single apartment that is built in this country 
is required to have a bomb shelter. Just think about this. This is unprecedented. It doesn't happen anywhere in the world. Every single apartment is required to have a strong room, is required to have a bomb shelter. And it is because every single apartment built in this country in the past 30 years has a bomb shelter. That thank God, thank God, we have so few casualties here in Israel from the shellings of Hamas. It's not for their lack of trying. It's because Israel has invested billions of dollars, billions of dollars, just in construction costs to ensure that every single family that has built a new apartment in the past 30 years has a bomb shelter. And beyond that, Israel has invested billions of dollars in security systems like the Iron Dome and many others to literally shoot rockets out of the sky to make sure that they don't land anywhere near our people. This is just because Israel believes in life. And this is why in Gaza, the IDF gives up the element of surprise and um, throws leaflets from the, from the sky to tell civilians to get out of an area before they attack. And this way for years, before the IDF would bomb a building, they would send what's called the knock on the roof. They would send something, an object, to knock on the roof to let the residents know to get out of the building. And very often that meant that the terrorists would also get out of the building. We have willingly tied one hand behind our back, unfortunately, because we believe in life so much. And unfortunately, very often, sparing the lives of our enemies has meant paying the price of our own precious boys and girls, of our own precious soldiers. But what happened on the other side? On the other side, Hamas, the Hamas government in Gaza, has been getting billions of dollars in aid from the whole world, from Qatar, from the United Nations, from Europe, from the United States. And none of that money went into building a life for the people of Gaza. All of that money went into building uh, tunnels and buying armaments and buying weapons. And all of that money that could have turned Gaza into a paradise went into creating a fighting machine to, to kill the Jews. Just think about it. The entire philosophy, the entire goal of the two million Gazans and their government, because they chose those people. It's not like Hamas came and took over. Gazans chose Hamas, and 85% of them support Hamas. The entire goal of this small piece of land is to kill as many Jews as possible, and all the resources of that place uh, focused on creating the possibility of killing more and more Jews. It's like two million people decided that killing of the Jews is the prime goal of their life. So much so that they're giving up their own life. Not only giving up their own life because they're dying, but giving up their quality of life. Not investing into who you are. Not investing into building up yourself. Not investing to make a life better for your own people. Literally investing everything into killing somebody else off. And this is how Israel is different because Israel is investing in its own development, in its own economic prosperity. It's really happy to share the resources with its neighbors because 
hey, you know, the more the merrier, the more everybody around is happy, the more peaceful we'll be here, the more we'll all prosper. But it is really investing its resources and making sure that its own people are safe and sound. And this is the difference. And this reminds me of a beautiful Hasidic story from about 200 years ago when one of the rabbis of Chabad looked out the window. He saw his two sons playing outside. And one of the sons made a hole in the ground and he told his younger brother to step into the hole. And this way, this boy who made this hole, he was taller than his brother. So the rabbi called the two boys into the room and said, this is not how you do it. You want to become taller, you want to become bigger, you want to become stronger, you want to become more you. Get something and step up on it. Don't make your brother go into a hole. You don't grow in life by killing off somebody else. You don't grow in life by um, making somebody feel smaller. You don't grow in life by um, digging a hole for other people. You grow in life by investing into who you are. Make yourself bigger. Don't make your brother smaller. And I think this is the whole difference between Israel and the and you know, some of our neighbors here. They've made killing us off the point of their life. So much more so that they don't live and then they die. And then who is uh, responsible? Who does the world hold accountable? The Jews. What all we're trying to do here is just live our lives peacefully. Make sure our people have what they need. Make sure that this place is more prosperous. Could you just imagine if Israel didn't have to invest all these billions of dollars and to make sure every single apartment has a bomb shelter. It's billions upon billions of dollars that could be invested in more medical research, more education, more sports, more culture. You know, just making this country more prosperous. But unfortunately, this is not where we can turn our resources. And unfortunately, just today, on my way here, I heard an interview on the radio about a boy who died yesterday in Gaza. A young boy by the name of Shaul, 26 years old. He dreamed of being a singer. And he actually tried out on one of the TV shows, something like America Got Talent, in Israel's local equivalent of that show. And his dream was to sing and to represent Israel at the Eurovision musical contest this year. But then he had a choice when the war started. He could continue with his contest and continue with his musical career or he could go out and protect his country. And he went out to protect his country, and he died as a result. And obviously his choice was so courageous. You cannot not respect that choice. But it is a tragedy. There's nothing to celebrate here. It's a tragedy that a young man's life was cut so early. There's no point. There's no point in this death. Beyond the fact that he had to protect his country, he had to protect us. And of course, the point is that he made the moral choice that he did, which is beautiful and courageous. But every single one of us here would have wanted that boy to live. We're not celebrating his death. We're not happy about his death. And there are no 72 maidens waiting for him on the other side. But no 72 maidens waiting for him on the other side. And this is the difference. For the Palestinians, the real goal is the other side, where a shahid gets 
his fulfillment, you know, his fun in life after the death. We don't. We believe that one moment of life is greater than all the reward of the next life. Because only in this world can you do something. And this is why we don't celebrate death in the Jewish culture. We celebrate life. And we wish for more life for everybody on both sides. We wish that they will start loving their children more than they hate us, as Golda Meir said. And when Palestinians love their children more than they hate the Jews, this is when this conflict will be over. Not a day earlier. Um, thank you so much for listening. And um, I hope and pray that of this war will come to an end with Israel victorious and with Israel ensuring the safety of all its people. Um, and until then, I will see you next week. This was Leia Roney with news from the Torah. Bye-bye.